again, everyone. This is Mike. Um, welcome back. Hopefully, by the time that you're listening to this, you have had time to digest our last podcast on wellness. If you haven't had a chance to listen to wellness, you need to click pause right now and go back and find that because we had uh, Jesse McFarlane come in, who is just a wonderful, wonderful resource, a wonderful human being. And that one is really worth a listen to. And that should be right at the top of your list. So if you haven't heard that yet, double back, grab that. We'll wait. And uh, then when you're done with that and you've chewed on that, then you can come back and talk to us uh, in this podcast. So I'm back with Tom. Hi, Mike. Hi, Tom. And today we have a really special podcast because we're talking about some language that probably everyone's heard about. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the social and emotional components are a little bit directly tied to the education field. And if that's not something that you're very consciously working in, you may not have heard it. But something that anyone in the professional world has probably heard of is soft skills. Right. So uh, Tom came up with the idea of talking about soft skills. And I think it's a great idea because it speaks to so many people. Yeah. So that's our... our that's our real blanket statement for yeah, today. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mike. The, the, uh, the thing that got me so interested and actually pretty excited and a little upset is because throughout the course of my life, 46 years in education, uh, this terminology that we have today around social emotional learning, even some of the research refers to it around as soft skills. And I don't think there's anything soft about it at all. I think the soft skills, the social emotional learning skills, trust, perseverance, empathy, compassion, respect, responsibility, how do you develop a healthy relationship, decision making, coping skills. We could go on with social emotional vocabulary for the next half hour. There's nothing soft or easy about any of that. I find that, that that's a lifetime curriculum. I'm 67 and I'm still learning those things. You know, every time something new happens in a relationship, uh, a work setting, uh, a presentation, interaction with a student, adult or child, I'm still working on the, quote, soft skills. I think they need to be re-referenced as the essential skills. So when I'm working with a group of administrators yesterday, the first question I asked what in the teaching and learning process is essential? What would you never sacrifice? What would you never give up? Whether the stress was time, money, too much work, whatever it was, what would you never give up? What's essential in teaching and learning? And in a room full of 25 administrators, every response I got back was a social emotional learning skill. Not soft at all. Not soft. That's interesting to hear um, because that statement is a little bit of a, a closed Wizard of Oz moment for a lot of educators. Like, what do administrators talk about when teachers aren't? <laughs> um, because you hear the same party line a lot where they say, well, you know, the PSSAs don't matter. But they're a number that we get judged on, so they kind of do matter. Yeah. And that's something that everyone has to say. 
just to put it out there that like this isn't important to me. Yeah. But it really is. Yeah. It's the reality that we live in. And we can talk about like what we wish it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really cool to kind of hear that, you know, administrators have the same uh or if not the same, very similar core values to everyone else in the in the the education world and there isn't this big division right you you just you just brought up a lot of important things to talk about one administrators do have the same concerns and they because they came from the same place nobody goes from college to administrator <laughs> everybody moved through this pathway some a longer pathway some a shorter pathway from regular ed teacher or special ed teacher or health and physical education in, in a rare instance, I'll meet an art teacher who eventually becomes a, a, an administrator, principal, superintendent. So they all have the same beginnings. They all have the same heart and the same mind and the deep devotion and commitment and caring for children. They also have another layer of responsibility, another layer of concern. So I agree with you 100%. Every once in a while, we'll hear, and even I'll hear myself say it, well, standardized tests aren't important. Well, they are important. You're being judged on them, teacher. And if all the teachers are being judged on it, then in a more, uh, I think, in a more powerful, and maybe the language is a more oppressive way, administrators are being judged on it. Now, we, I happen to be blessed with dealing with, in this local area and across the country, with really insightful, uh, deep, deep wisdomed educators and, and, and leaders, courageous leaders, very courageous leaders, who understand that they have to address the standardized test, but they also know in their mind, in their heart, and in their practice, they're going to address the long-term skills that every human being, staff member, all staff members, not just certified staff, all staff members and children need, and that they are social emotional learning skills. Social emotional learning skills are those skills, I'm pausing to use my words carefully. Social emotional learning skills are so essential. They're the skills that make us human beings, they are the skills that separate us from the animal kingdom. Now, clearly, our human history has abundant examples of the poor utilization of social-emotional learning skills. Manipulation is a social-emotional skill. It's not a positive one, in my opinion. Prejudice is a social tool. I'm I'm not willing to call it a skill. But it doesn't serve humankind. Empathy serves humankind. Empathy is what has always saved lives. Empathy and compassion is what saved lives in the Holocaust. Men and women who were not directly affected chose to be affected by hiding uh, Jews, by hiding people who were being persecuted. In apartheid, social-emotional skills save lives. So our life 
and many of my heroes are examples of social-emotional skills. And when I think of these people, they're not soft. I, I called last night to wish my younger brother happy birthday. He shares a birthday with Martin Luther King Jr. And we reminisced about what a lovely memory that is for him to share that birthday. There's no way I could ever reference the work that King did, which was social and emotional at its core and immensely courageous as a soft skill. The man gave his life to end racism in this country. And we're still fighting that battle today in, in 2019. Nelson Mandela imprisoned for a large portion of his adulthood because he speaks out against apartheid. There's nothing soft about that. Rosa Parks choosing to sit down because she was tired on a bus. And if you dig into that story deeply, she will tell you she was not only physically tired, she was spiritually tired. She was tired of acquiescing. She was tired of always doing what the white authority wanted her to do, which was always demeaning. So there's nothing soft about that action. There's nothing soft about now Saint Mother Teresa and tending to the untouchables. And that's, that's a literal, literal meaning. Those human beings on the streets of Calcutta, India, that no one else would touch. And she and her sisterhood served them and touched them. So our world is abundant with those examples. Just as I would dare to say our schools are abundant with those examples. And your school building of Shady Grove is abundant with those examples. Because I've been blessed to know those people. I've been blessed to know you. I've been blessed to know your teacher colleagues, your counselor colleagues, and your principal. Those are courageous leaders. Those are men and women who are so deeply caring. Somebody might say they're soft. And that's, it. that's a minimization of all that they've poured into each other's lives, the lives of families, parents, and children. Those are powerful heroes of social-emotional skills. It's funny how we're dedicating an entire podcast to a word. Yeah. But yeah. words are so powerful that there are so many people who are going to judge soft skills on the term that's applied to it and the connotations that have been developed over years about it. So it would be easy enough to just say, oh, we call those social-emotional skills. Right. Or let's call them hard skills. Let's go, let's go the other direction and, and change like, the language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's a very surface approach. Okay. And honestly, it's hard. It's one of those things where you can know something, 
but that doesn't mean you can teach it to someone else. Mm. So for me, having such a strong belief and advocacy for social emotional skills, soft skills, right. whatever you want to call them, yeah. it's hard for me to describe to someone else sometimes just how important they are and how it's really not something secondary that like, well, you know, if you have this, it's going to give you the edge mm -hmm. over other people. Mm -hmm. Like it's some additional certificate or some kind of like little feather in your cap or mm -hmm. secret weapon mm -hmm. when really it comes before everything else. It's foundational. Yes. It's not a supplement. Yes. But how do you start to change that perspective so that people realize that that's how you build a strong foundation it's not an advanced skill that you come to later once everything else is good right. to go. Thank you for everything you just said. There's so much that's powerful and important in what you just said. So I'll start with your question at the end. Uh, it's foundational. And how do you teach it? How do you begin teaching these foundational skills? So thank you for that differentiation in that they are foundational and not just another power tool I can add to my arsenal to be good in business or to overcome somebody or win a promotion. When you say they're foundational, that to me says they're foundational to being a human being. So that begins, certainly for us in this place we call school, that begins in kindergarten and pre-kindergarten. It begins in our, all of our preschool program, excuse me, in our preschool programming. And it also must begin in our families, in our parenting. So today I know that we're doing some wonderful work in integrating social emotional learning, what I'm choosing to call the essential skills, and you're, you're now identifying as the, the foundational skills, which I love. We know that when we integrate those in the academic content, we're seeing great rewards, academic improvements, attendance improvements, graduation rate improvements, a decline in behavioral concerns, decline in mental health concerns. What I also know, these skills must be taught explicitly. So the research is telling me now I need to involve not only my educators in this process, but I need to involve two other powerful voices. I need to involve student voice. Now, my life experience allows me to be very, very comfortable with people around fourth grade, well into adulthood. Um, I'm not very great in terms of my skill set or my comfort with young folks, third grade and younger. I can lay on the floor and play with a little kid, but I'm not sure I'm a good teacher. If, if my modeling is, the, is a good teacher, then I'm good, but otherwise I'm not sure. But other people are, and I'm glad for that. But we have to have student and voice involved in these foundational skills. We have to get their perspective on these foundational skills and how important they are. And when I have those conversations with children, they're telling me the same things that you and I are talking about right now. They agree. They agree empathy and compassion and caring are foundational skills. The other voice, when I was a young man, a young teacher, 
a young professional. I used to be the guy who would come in for this one magical evening to do a parent program. And sometimes it was a large group and sometimes it was a small group. And the feedback was always nice. But one of the things I heard loud and clear is, well, the parents who really need to be here aren't here. And that always resonated with me. So now as I dig more into the social-emotional learning research, and I dig more into what, I, I love your reference of foundational skills, what the research is telling me, we need to listen to parent, or what my friend Abby calls family voice. We have to start partnering with families. We have to ask them what's essential. We have to ask them what's foundational. And our families come in so many different beautiful flavors and colors today that I know my coming in as a white man with a basic middle-class background is not the only voice that needs to be heard. We need to hear so many other voices and share what's foundational for us and our families and our neighborhoods and communities. And in that sharing, I believe the answers are revealed. I enjoy hearing about the family voice a lot. Um, and I think it's resonating with me just because, like anything else, most things come from a story. Yeah. So I had a situation today where a student came to my room, um, not my student, mm -hmm. but they were sent to me. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those, I get a phone call so the teacher can let me know what's going on and the student's in my room before the phone call's over. Wow. And it was essentially disruptive to the classroom. He's bringing work. He just needs a quiet place where he can't interact with other people mm -hmm. and he needs to get his work done. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know anything about the situation. I'm not going to dig too deep into it because mm. these things are very nuanced. Yeah, yeah. But I think about the um, the last episode of Seinfeld. I don't mm. know if you've seen it. It's been a long time. But are they in jail? Yeah. Okay. So, and I'm gonna digress a little bit. So, they get put in jail, solitary confinement. Mm. The the main core group from the show right. for a year, as a punishment for failing to help another human being wow. and mocking them in the process. Ooh. So they were given this punishment, which you and I both know the worst thing you can do is take humans away from other humans yeah. and cut that interaction, yeah. that connection. So I'm thinking like, wow, this is like, this is heavy. Like isolate this kid. Right. And I decided to dig into it a little bit with him and he knows that what he did was wrong. But he was unwilling to accept responsibility for it mm. because there were others in the class, from his perception, that were doing the same thing, if not worse, uh -huh. and that he was being held accountable. Wow. And he couldn't accept responsibility for what he did Wow. because others were not being held accountable for what they did. And no matter what I said, and I'm usually pretty good at that type yeah, of stuff. yeah. He could not see his fault. So when you say that 
parent connection or family connection is right. so important. I'm just sitting here chin up, chin down yeah. because I'm thinking I can't connect to this kid, but I don't know what their schema is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their home life's mm-hmm. like. I'm not the right person mm-hmm. to do this with them. Mm-hmm. Someone from home needs to work yeah. with me on yeah. this. Yes. Yes. So that is just so powerful because whether you're family or you're a teacher or you're an administrator or someone working in the community, you can't always find the angle of attack for every kid. Right, right. And sometimes you have to pass that responsibility on to someone else, which you can't do if you're not a unified team. Yes, yes. So this whole idea of this young man uh, coming to, being sent to you, I had a couple questions that came up. Let me get a couple out. One, why is he sent to you in the first place? My imagination is I, I hear, I hear he needs a quiet place. There's a lot of, and there's a lot. There's a few quiet places in the school. Why you? Why Mike's room? Maybe because you're trustworthy. Maybe because you're emotionally safe. Maybe because you're skilled with special needs children. Okay, maybe. Um, I choose to believe that's all true. But th- those are important factors. And then I heard something in this young man is saying, it's not fair. What just happens not fair. And, and he may not know how to voice that at whatever age of development he is in, but he's saying it's not fair. And then you bring in this third factor, where is he coming from? What, what are his norms? What, what's his learning? Uh, what does he live with? 24-7 outside of school? Uh, those are all really important questions to get answered. And you hit another important point. We can't do it alone. We have to be part of a team. You said that. A part of a really good team. I think that's also essential. And now what, what I'm saying as we continue to work on these foundational skills with our children, we have to have families as part of this team. And that, that cannot be one night for parent programs. We have to create a way for ongoing parent support, ongoing family support. And, and as you would pull together your colleagues in a team approach to help a child in need, we need to include families in this team. And, and to help their individual children, but to help all of our children in that building. And in this podcast tonight, I'm not exactly sure what that looks like, but I've I've invited you and a couple other folks that I really, really believe in to help me create that. So our listeners can know that's coming. That's coming down the line, I hope in a couple months, this this family support system. Yeah, and just to... Really reiterate that, that I think there is a there is a roadmap that can be followed. And Tell me more. So it all seems so mysterious sometimes because you think that what works for one kid isn't going to work for another kid, right? And I think that's a misconception because it really is the same things that work for kids, but. 
there is a flavor to it that's unique to mm-hmm. each kid. And I don't think we always know what that is. So I think that once we engage parents more and build context around their kids, mm-hmm. then we can kind of pull away that unique experience, um, the nature and nurture of it, yeah, and figure out ways to connect to these kids. And then we get to add this flavor on top of here is what you've been taught. Here's the language that you use. Here are the things nice. that you are struggling with. Very nice. And that builds it into something much stronger. Yeah. So again, thank you so much for your thoughts. So as we start to come to the end of this, this time together, you just, hit, you just reminded me of something important when you said there's a roadmap. And every child's different, and yet they're similar. Mm-hmm. Every human being is different, and yet we're similar. I think that's, that's a foundational skill. That's an essential skill. And so within every one of us, I want to offer every child I interact with, I want to offer every human being I interact with the foundational skills of compassion. I want to offer the foundational skills of empathy. I want to offer the foundational skills of perspective. You know, teach me. Teach me how you see the world. Teach me your concerns. Teach me what's happened to you, which is a critical question in trauma-informed care today. So I think those essential skills, those foundational skills are, are markers, are, are, are uh, arrows on the roadmap. I think if we can treat each other fully human, and, I, and that's not easy. And when I say fully human, I mean the best that we are as human beings. Uh, I, I was with this group of administrators yesterday, and with some other friends, I was asking them to do a deeper dig into the five competencies of social-emotional learning. and. One group was was looking at uh, social awareness, and they did a deeper dig, and they said, well, if we're going to create a curriculum in social awareness, then empathy needs to be there. And someone said in that brainstorming session, someone said, well, you know, empathy doesn't appear to be natural to us human beings. It needs to be taught. And I was just passing by the conversation that certainly drew me in, as, yeah. as, as you would imagine. And I said, well, uh, I respect what you're saying, and I'm going to think a lot about that, but I'm just reading this book by a primatologist who's studying bonobos, a, a form of, of primate. And bonobos actually won't eat unless they know every other member of the tribe has the same food and there's a fair distribution. Empathy. So if our ancestors, who are primates, are innately empathetic, then I'm going to choose to believe we are too. Now, our nation right now is telling me that we really need to accelerate our learning 
on the foundational skills that are social emotional and certainly on the foundational skills of empathy and compassion. Yeah, that, that, that resonates with me a lot. And the more I think about it, I think the teaching is so important because it makes these things conscious for us because right. we have to work at it. Right. But when you, when, when, cause I mean, you saw the face I made yeah. when, you, when you told me what that, you know, person said. Yeah. And all I'm thinking is you don't have to teach a plant how to grow. Beautiful. But you do have to create an environment where that can happen. So you don't have to teach a kid to be empathetic. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. Yes. Yes. It doesn't help to water that plant. Yeah. But at the same time, you should really be focused on creating an environment where that's yep. allowed to happen. Yes. Allow that to develop on its own because everyone, yes. almost everyone has that in them. Yep. Beautifully said. We need to nurture it. I agree with you. It's in us. We need to nurture it. We need to fertilize it. We need to, 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 to affirm it when we see it. Um, and our schools... I have, I've always believed this. The research is now telling me this. Our, skill, our schools are the best chance of us doing that. And when we have those schools in partnership with student voice and family voice, now we can take humanity to our next evolution. I love that. Um, and if it's okay, I'm going to I'm gonna try to wrap this podcast yeah. up with like, I want a tagline. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I'm thinking something along the lines of, because we've been talking about soft skills, right. and the, the connotations with it. Yeah. I think there's really no such thing as a soft skill, mm -hmm. only a soft heart. Ooh. And you can't support a soft heart without a strong foundation. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's how I'm going to tagline. Oh, we're going to end right there because that's <laughs> exquisite. Thank you, Michael. Of course. Thank you, Tom. Um, everyone out there. If you're just getting in with us now, double back. Look at some of the podcasts we've been doing. If you listen to us on Anchor, you can actually record a question and send it to us. And we would be more than happy to answer that in a podcast. I'd love to mm. do one dedicated to questions yeah, from great. people who listen. Mm -hmm. So you can do that on Anchor. Otherwise, you can subscribe to this podcast literally anywhere, right. any app you get your podcast from. Beautiful. So please do that. Please send us feedback and please tune in next time. Thank you. Thank you.